Good morning to you. Disturbing scenes in Shum last evening. We'll be going to that shortly. And also, I'm joined by Luke uh, Ming Flanagan following that court case uh, yesterday. On today's program, also, we're looking at the central bank and a new campaign to get people some return on their investments and indeed on their savings as well on today's program. Landlords, how to reduce the risk and maximise returns on today's program also. We're uh, looking and speaking about some new treatments that's uh, there. In Culture Corner, we're looking at uh, a sightless cinema and presenting a tour of uh, a dark play there. Hours to protect and much more between now and 12 midday. All the comment lines are open if you want to get through to us. You can do so on 086 38 33 55 3. It's Thursday morning. We're with you until midday. Good morning. Now, very good morning to you. Welcome in to today's uh, programme. I've been receiving, since I came in to work uh, this morning, uh, a lot of um, copies of a video that's circulating following uh, an incident in Tune last evening. And I want to go to the um, line at this stage. The video is, is quite shocking because the video that was sent to me is of, I take it as a young gentleman, uh, getting out of his car and the video is pointed as he's starting to record at the mat uh, inside the car and then he gets outside the car and then he runs down the road and with bars and a number of his colleagues they beat the living daylights out of a car and otherwise. To get me some further details on this uh, we charged uh, Andrew Reddington with finding out some information on this and he joins me on the line. Councillor Reddington, good morning to you. Good morning, Keith. How are you? Thanks for joining us uh, today. Sorry not to bother you early this morning, but uh, you were the only one I could get to find out. What exactly happened and where in tune did this happen last evening? Well, I suppose the first thing I'll say, Keith, in relation to what happened in tune yesterday evening, I wouldn't like it to take away from the from tune town. Um, it do, it doesn't. Since... This is a narrow yeah, bunch went, of people and yeah, we know what's went, behind this. Yeah. Uh, but they shouldn't but, do what they did. But I mean, tune is a wonderful uh, town and that's, that stands. Absolutely, yeah. And I got the same video you got last night, I'd say about 12 or 13 times from from people that I'd know in Tume and they were absolutely disgusted with what happened. Um, as you as you know there, you, you've seen the video yourself. A number of young adults um, uh, broke up a car uh, in the middle of the day down near the Mall in Tume. Now, what people are saying to me is, number one, how is this allowed to happen? Um, you know, and I haven't been talking to the Gardaí, but I've been liaising with the Gardaí with other issues all week and they've been absolutely outstanding and I'm sure the Gardaí will be investigating this in their due, in due course. I believe after that incident, there was another retaliation in Cushnahoun last night in relation to the incident with the car. And what a lot of people are saying to me, and I'm going to be completely honest with you, Keith, is how can young lads of that age afford to be able to be out and about in Shum on a Wednesday afternoon um, doing this? And, um, you know, why aren't they working? And if they're not working, are they getting social welfare? And if they're getting social welfare, should they be getting social welfare? Okay. And, you know, you, you know what's, what people are saying to me is it's, it's well known what's going on there. It's uh, a dispute so, over, you know, something quite serious. And um, these, there's full employment in the country at the moment. And these young lads are at okay, this. Can, can we, if they're not working, shouldn't be drawn to all every week. And it's as simple as that. Okay, can I ask you a very simple yes or no question? Is this all drugs related? I don't personally know, but I'm told it is. Okay. So now we're getting to the kernel. So this is a drugs row. I mean, the, the, the veracity of the violence, which I saw on the video, is quite shocking. And damn lucky that somebody wasn't seriously injured or killed in that 
event. How do you go with bars and do what you did? Now they're in bed this morning because they were out late last night doing whatever they were doing. But how can you do that and, and cause the damage? If it's a drugs war, it's a drugs war. Let the Gardaí do their job, lock them up, take them away, and away you go from there. Tum doesn't deserve this. Galway doesn't deserve this. And this has gone viral across the country now. And the world. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I've spoken to businesses, in, and I go back to the point again, I've spoken to businesses in, in the Tum area that are crying out for workers, you know, and we have full employment at the, in this country at the moment. And any young fella that's in Tum on a Wednesday afternoon doing that, social welfare need to get on top of them, stop their dole payments immediately. Like if a young person there is getting 230 euro a week for walking around Tum town with bears, they shouldn't be getting it. And I'd say, from what I from what I understand, the vast majority of the, the young adults that were there yesterday aren't working, are on social welfare, and people are sick of it. You know, I I spoke recently at a meeting about this. I'm dealing with very very good people that are trying to get the likes of carers allowance and fuel allowance for their for sick people or you know old people or whatever, and they're going through the rigors of the law for it. They're going through letters back from social welfare over back they've worked all their life and they see young adults going around to yesterday that are on the scratch breaking cars down and seem to be doing it quite a bit so listen I hope social welfare have a good look at these people and the names will be bouncing around town today who did it there's an intro office in Tume Town and I hope that they act on it and I believe that the Gardaí will act they're doing their best in relation to it in fairness to the Gardaí that happened so fast yesterday you've seen the video yourself the guard the car wanted to be parked there. By the time they had the car broke up and, and went again, it happened in a couple yeah. of seconds. But I'm sure the Gardaí will will be very much aware of the car getting broken up yesterday in Tum and be, will be very aware of what happened in Cushnahoun. Two oh. people in Cushnahoun sent that video to me last night. They were absolutely disgusted as well. And, uh, you know, I know you rang me early this morning, but I suppose I want to voice my opinion in relation to the people that rang me or text me and sent me messages last okay. night. The no, people in Tum do not want to see this happen. No. It's bringing the, the good name of Chum down, Chum down, and Chum is a good town, and let's hope that the Gardaí will be able to act on the evidence that they've seen in those videos last night. And I'll reiterate it again. Okay. Let's hope social welfare uh, react to what's happening in Chum yesterday, because that's what's annoying people at the moment. Young adults at that age walking around Chum town and um, on social welfare and being able to afford to break up cars. And also... Let nobody say to me there isn't enough things for young people to do in, okay. in County Galway. There's that's, plenty for young people to do in Galway. That's rubbish, so it is. There's plenty, and there's loads yeah. of work out there, and there's apprenticeships and otherwise. Uh, Deputy, uh, sorry, Deputy <laughs> Councillor Andrew Reddington, uh, thank you for joining us uh, today on the programme. And again, um, let the Gardaí do their work, but this has been going on for a number of years now. If it's not the young fellas, it's the older family members. It's gone on for years, bring it to an end, let the Gardaí do their work, cooperate with the Gardaí and just sort this out once and for all. Now though, uh, Irish MEP Luke Ming Flanagan has said that the online abuse directed at him and his family after his Twitter account was hacked has been very difficult for him to cope with. The Belgian court yesterday, um, there was a former um, European parliamentary assistant, Damon Hayes, 34, from Dublin. He admitted hacking at the Twitter account, which put huge, huge pressure on uh, Luke Ming Flanagan. And Luke joins me on the line. How long, Luke, is this going on, can I ask you? 
this has been going on since uh, September 2020. And if I was to be honest, uh, only for I'm an MEP, it probably would have went on for a few more years. But in fairness to uh, the Belgian court system, they took into account the fact that uh, I needed to clear my name before any election came up. And also that um, they're very conscious of the fact that uh, MEPs uh, must be able to feel safe when they're carrying out their business in their country. So it's been going on since September 2020. And uh, I'm very relieved that it's finally coming to a close and I can go back and concentrate on what I want to contact, uh, uh, to uh, think about. And that's my job. And when you say clear your name, in what way? Because it was your account was hacked and there was a post put up on it. So did people then think that you put that post up? Well, if you if you sit down and have a look at Google and you put in politicians hacked, um, in nearly absolutely every one of the cases, uh, you can prove that you were hacked. And maybe in many of the cases, people were lying, they weren't telling the truth, and they were only using it as an excuse. So because of that, I suppose when people claim they're hacked, uh, you're not necessarily believed. And I suppose because of the way the hack was carried out, it kind of was very believable because uh, only two hours previously on Twitter, um, uh, I was actually defending Sirish McHugh against a, a, a particular farming organisation because they were making comments about her and um, I, the fact that then there was a tweet with her name on my account two hours later made it look fairly convincing to some people but uh, the, the reality is uh, as it turns out now we know who did it and it's thanks to another assistant of mine and their partner how we worked out how they did this um, uh, I changed all my passwords when this person stopped working for me. He stopped working for me because uh, other members of my staff said they wouldn't work with him anymore and we felt we, we couldn't trust him so I changed all my passwords. But unfortunately uh, Twitter has what's called a third party application. There was a time when you couldn't put that much information on Twitter but you could get around it by using this third party application. Unfortunately on the one occasion when I let this person use it, um, uh, it meant that even when I changed my password in the future, uh, the password remains the same on this particular app. It was a bug uh, which has now been fixed because uh, Twitter no longer allow people to use this app. But unfortunately it meant that, that my former assistant could still access my account and what hasn't been reported is he could still access all of my private messages um, and I had to go through hundreds of them Unfortunately, the most controversial thing I said in those messages was I told my daughter, is there any way you could clean your bloody room for a change. <laughs> Which fathers do from time to time. Now, this, put, yes. th this put huge pressure on you and the family as well because um, not a nice time. And, and you made that statement outside the court uh, yesterday. Yeah, it did because, look, uh, people talk and when something appears in the newspapers and on the front page of every second newspaper in the country, people talk. So I've had a situation uh, at the school gate with my then six-year-old daughter. Um, uh, someone come up to me and asked me, oh, what was going on with that Saoirse McHugh one? I was out for a walk with my 19-year-old daughter who uh, is autistic and uh, when I'm out walking, I tend to walk a little bit faster than the people with me. 
me. So uh, by the time my daughter had caught up with me, she was involved with a situation where a man was saying to me, what the hell were you at with Saoirse McHugh? So my daughter was a bit upset about that. And you just having to listen to comments such as that. My wife works for Tusla and there were several comments on uh, Twitter. One such one was, oh, I feel really sorry for his wife with what he's after doing. So that that was difficult. And, and one particular thing about it, though, that was difficult was... Um, at the time, like I was heavily involved in the reform of the common agricultural policy, I just got a really good amendment through, which would have shown for me, and sure, look at in politics, you've got to show what you can achieve. It would have shown what I would have been able to achieve and what I did achieve. But unfortunately, at the time, I was very reluctant uh, to do an interview with anyone because, look, you're a journalist. If I went on and did an interview with you, I wouldn't blame you for asking me the question, yeah. what happened there with your account being hacked? And I couldn't talk about it because I was afraid I would prejudice the case. So for three years, in a way, I have had no choice but to be silent. You asked me the last time I was on the radio, and you were right too, and people were ringing in saying, we haven't heard as much about Ming. Well, I'll be honest, this situation completely wrecked my head. Uh, it didn't. It, it it affected my confidence. And for someone, as you know, who's not afraid to voice his opinion, yeah, I have been a little bit quiet because this has had a very negative effect on my mental health. But I've known you an awful lot longer than politics, so I have. I've known you since you came to Galway first, and then we, we talked. Yes, a, a, yeah, we've chatted a long time. And best of luck on your retirement as well. I forgot to say that to you. But you look at, um, I'm, I'm looking forward to that, but, but it's retirement from radio, but I'm going to have, have other major projects on. But just, I mean, it, this has to affect you mentally as well, because you're, you're really, your hands were tied, you were wronged, your hands were tied, and yet the wrong was left there until yesterday. Yeah, it was. And that's a particular point that I brought up in, in, in court. It, it, it wasn't so much the initial tweet that was put out and that was annoying and it did go viral. But the fact that uh, the, uh, the, the, the accused or the person who's, who's been convicted of this didn't come out and say it was a mistake straight away meant that the abuse continued on Twitter right up until two weeks ago, people were putting up comments. Like one woman put up a comment about how, and, and the first part is true, but she made light of it, the fact that my wife was very sick after the birth of my last child and I couldn't go to the European Parliament for only for seven weeks, but she put up a tweet saying, ah, your poor wife was sick, that was your excuse then, now this is your excuse. And you're having to listen to all that nasty stuff. So, look, of course, it has a negative effect on your mental health. And uh, as I said on TV3 last night, I, I hadn't... I haven't publicly said this before. Um, I am autistic. I have been. Um, I have uh, been diagnosed uh, with autism. Uh, I live with that. I thrive on it, and at times I find life difficult with it. But in situations like this, uh, it just becomes overwhelming because uh, with autism, one of the sides of autism to me is I ruminate more than your average person. And there are positives to that because I can go into depth on things. But the negatives of it are that that negative thought went around and around in my head but yeah. I've received therapy and uh, I'll tell you I would have been reluctant to go to therapy previously but I advise anyone out there if they have any issues if you can go to therapy it's a great idea and don't be afraid of it and come here to me uh, I shouldn't say congratulations but at least you have a determination when, when did you get that determination 
Uh, that was uh, yesterday morning and congratulations is the right word because uh, it's it's such a relief and not everyone uh, is able to prove that these things have happened but thanks to my assistant and her partner, the Belgian police and the security apparatus within uh, the European Parliament, they've all pulled together and um, uh, all I can say is I'm very thankful for them because uh, they've saved my reputation and uh, now I can go on and continue with my work and uh, talk about the nature restoration law talk about uh, various other things rather than having to talk about this and um, did you did you eyeball Jimmy Hayes yesterday in court um, uh, I I had an opportunity to come back on some of the things that uh, that he said, um, and in particular about this idea that he had a good relationship with people in in my office, and that um, he couldn't understand why it wasn't taken on again. Um, uh, I'm sure he didn't like to hear the fact that um, I actually was planning on taking him on for another year, but I was warned by my staff, the people who he claimed he was friendly with, that if he took if I took him him on again, they'd be reluctant uh, to work with me so um, I didn't necessarily eyeball him but um, I certainly let him know what I thought and one particular thing that I didn't like about what he did was after about 900 days after it he wrote me a letter and when I opened the letter I thought okay bad and all as he has been at least he's apologising all that was in the letter was how badly it had affected his life and how tough his life was and likewise in court yesterday he spoke about um, other than this his life is good and as I said to the judge my life hasn't been good and it's all very well for him to say that but I'm a victim of what he's done so I, I found it astonishing that yet again all he wants to talk about in court was about how it affected his life. Mm. He did it. Let him take the consequences. You have to go to a vote, but can I come back? When were you? When did you get the autism um, news that um, your your you were? I, I I I always I always suspected it. Um, uh, I have been going through a process uh, with uh, my second eldest daughter, and uh, she has. While initially it was very very difficult for us, and it's still a little bit difficult for us. Um, she has opened my eyes uh, to who I am and what I have. And I didn't actually spot it in her because, you know, I'd be saying, sure, I do that. And as it turns out, uh, I have autism myself. So um, it, has, it affected me in school. Uh, it affected me in many different ways. And maybe when people might notice when I speak, I don't keep eye contact. I move my arms and uh, wave them quite a lot. And as I've discovered, that is a coping mechanism or I am stimming. So um, I now know um, an awful lot more about myself. And to, the best way I can describe it is it's a bit like if you're going on a journey and you know where you're going. That's all very well if you know where you're going. But if you don't know where your location is, to get from A to B, you can't do it. I know where my location is on the sat-nav of life now, and I find it a little bit easier to negotiate it as a result. So, But I'm one of the lucky ones. I have money, so I can afford to go out and get an assessment. I have hundreds of people contacting me saying they can't afford it. Yeah. And for me, that's not right. Uh, this needs to be publicly funded. It shouldn't be just privileged people like me who can uh, go out and help themselves. It should be 
be everyone because we talk about a mental health crisis. We've got to take it serious. We've got to stop talking about it. We've got to start doing something about it and we've got to start funding it because there's a lot of people out there suffering and a lot of those people could have absolutely brilliant lives if they're given help and become way more productive too. MEP Luke Ming Flanagan, um, you're a gentleman, always have been and um, we will uh, talk again but listen, you keep strong, go do that vote today and uh, thank you for being as honest as you have been with me today and just keep strong. Okay, thank you Keith. Okay, talk to you then. Cheerio. And that vote he's late for indeed but um, I'm just looking at it on the screen here, he's, he's, he's going to get there on time. Uh, some comments in, don't let them get you Ming, you're an amazing uh, person for all the Irish people, keep up the good work and um, sorry that this happened as well. Quite a few calls of uh, support uh, coming in now for Luke Ming Flanagan there uh, today. So keep them coming to us on 086 3833 We're back next. Now, very good morning to you. Get your comments into us on 086 Now, the Central Bank are running a new campaign to help people get the very best uh, return on their savings. Colm Kincaid is the Director of Consumer Protection at the Central Bank and he joins me now. Uh, Colm, good morning to you. Thanks for taking your call this morning. Good morning, Keith, and good morning to your listeners. Listeners, I hope everyone's doing okay. Um, they're doing fine. If, if they have savings, and we, we've spoken about this many times on this programme, but how can you get this return? First of all, where can they get the information we're going to talk about? And how can, yeah, so, how can they safeguard their savings and get returns? Yeah, so um, as you say, we've published some information to support people uh, today, which is on our website. Uh, if you go onto the website and you'll see a tile there for how can you make your savings work harder for you. Mm-hmm. If you click through to that, you'll see the information I'm going to talk about. But I'm going to begin, Keith, maybe just with a number that might grab people's attention. And that number is 150 billion euros. That is the amount of money held by Irish households in deposits with our banks, credit unions and other savings account providers. And just over 90% of that is being held in overnight deposit accounts where the consumer is earning little or no return on their money uh, compared to what's available right now uh, to them in the Irish market. And obviously that's important at any time, but it's especially important in a period of inflation because of course the way inflation works is if you have 100 euros sitting in your bank account that you don't need for your day-to-day expenses and you leave it there in 12 months, you will be able to buy less with that 100 euro than you can buy today. So not only are you as a consumer losing out on what you could be earning by having that in an interest-bearing account, but the buying power of your money is actually decreasing day by day as you you leave it there. So look, this won't be a message for everybody. I recognise a lot of people are facing really tough challenges in meeting their budgets. But for a good number of people that we can see in the system, we want to raise people's awareness about that. But is it not? I mean, 150 billion is a huge amount of money, 90 on that in overnight accounts. Uh, is it not the duty of care here on the banking question to try and assist the customers or is it is it just a business to the banks? No, I, you're spot on, uh, Keith. And what we have done as well as there's two things we're doing about this at the Central Bank of Ireland. One, as I said, is to raise people's awareness and give some simple um, uh, independent information to people that's available on our, on our website to support them in this. And it can be quite a straightforward exercise for you uh, if you look into it as a consumer. The other is that we are looking to our banks to improve the customer service that they provide on this. So at the Central Bank, we've reviewed their advertisements, their documentation, their internal processes in each of our main retail banks. And we're getting them now to make improvements in the information and the support that they provide 
and to look at the end-to-end customer journey that is there for you if you're opening or switching your account. So, for example, we, through our review, have identified steps in the approach that our banks are taking that we think could be an impediment to a consumer in, in this. For example, a limit on the number of accounts that you might hold with an individual institution, mm-hmm. a requirement to go attend a branch for a particular part of the process, or in some cases, what we saw was that you see different information and different options available to you, depending on whether you go in through your app or online or, or you talk to someone over the phone. And these, Keith, are things that have grown up over time, right? But, but what we're saying to banks now is this is, this is a, an area they need to put more attention into in terms, exactly as you say, of meeting that duty of care that is there under the rules set by the Central Bank of Ireland for them to support their customers in this uh, And as I said, the options are there. They are there in the market, including with the Irish banks, uh, for you to earn more on your money than we can see people are earning at the moment. Can I ask you, just fear is one one aspect of all of this. And uh, I mean, when you look at the 150 billion uh, that's there, a lot of that might be for uh, people of a certain age that might have accumulated pensions and or otherwise. Uh, but people are just afraid to, to make any moves on it in case it's a scam, in case it's they lose it. Or it's that f- I think it's an Irish thing, the fear of taking a chance or making a change. Yes, and I would say as well, Keith, you know, not all fear is a bad thing. I would say for people coming into this, and you'll see the information on our website, what we say is one of the first things you need to do, actually, before you talk to any provider is actually think about what is what are your needs, what suits your needs. So, for example, some of that money that I've that I've referenced will be money that people have set aside for an emergency. You know, uh, fix the car, fix the roof, or whatever. Obviously, you don't want to go locking that money away. You do want to have immediate access to that money in case you need it. But even then, we can see that there are better overnight uh, demand deposit account rates available to people than they're using. And to remember as well then to look at all of the regulated providers in the market. Your bank here in Ireland, obviously talk to them, the other Irish banks, your credit union on post, state savings. And also, as members of the European Union, one of the great benefits of that is we also have access to the services of European Union banks providing their services into Ireland. And those banks are regulated under European law and under the system of supervision that we have in the very same way as Irish banks. But yes, do take care to make sure that you're dealing with a trusted, regulated entity. And, and in that, in this context, I'd be saying it's your bank, Irish banks, European Union banks, your credit union, and on post and state savings. Okay. Because do be careful, as you say, about about the risk that there is there of scams. Oh, it's it's the fear of it, so it is. But but even and I don't have money, but even I don't have I don't have much money at all. But but even the fact that you're getting these scam texts in and you check into this account and check into that account, and I don't even have accounts in the banks in question. Do you know it? So so it's easy for me to delete them. But for somebody who's getting them and may have an account or otherwise, it's just the fear aspect. Can I ask you? Um, could you give me one practical example as to if somebody has 10,000 in a deposit account and they're getting nothing on it, what can they do with it? Just a practical example and then we'll tell them where to go to get more information, Colin. Yeah, so, so a practical example is there are on-demand deposit rates available at the moment of upwards of two or more percent in some cases if, if people look to, 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 to avail of those. And I'm, I'm, I'm a little reluctant, I suppose, to sort of put numbers in people's heads because I really want to see, like, look, shop around because it sort of depends. You can get even more than that, obviously, if that was a sum of money that you felt, actually, I don't need that money uh, for 
you know, immediate emergency spending, I actually could afford to put some of that money into a term deposit account, which means it's, yes, it's locked away for a period, but I get a higher rate of interest. And there are also term deposit arrangements now with some of the providers where they will allow you to take out a a certain amount of the money uh, that's there. So I suppose the the core point, Keith, is for people really just to to raise their awareness about this. It's not necessarily to say to people, change the situation you have right now, but to be aware that there is money on the table and that you maybe aren't uh, getting by exploring these options, to explore those options with those trusted, regulated financial service providers, as I said, look at the information available on our website and to know that the central bank is getting our banks to improve the service and the supports that they provide to you as a customer around this at a time when if as you say if you do have some spare cash and you could probably be making that cash work harder for you than we see at the moment in the system so colin where can they go where's the best place for them to go um, website wise uh, to get these details yeah, so if they, if they go onto our website, you'll see uh, some uh, handy tips that we've given to people as to basically how to think about it. It's going exactly to your point, Keith, about the fear we have of coming into this. So first yeah. of all, we're going to give people some basic trusted information as to how to think about it. If you go to another state agency's website, so again, a trustworthy site, the CCPC, the Competition Consumer Protection Commission, they have a comparison tool that will enable you to look at what's available in the market. Okay. But as I said, the first step really is to understand, first of all, whether in fact sitting in your account you have money that you don't need to use on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and secondly, what might you need that money for? And that will inform your choice as to what represents the best value for you in terms of making any savings you have work harder for you. Nicola, what's your website, your, your own website? That's at the centralbank.ie. The central bank. It's just, no, sorry, centralbank, C-E-N-T-R-A-L-B-A-N-K dot I-E. Well done. Keep in contact. It's interesting. So it is Director of uh, Consumer Protection at the Central Bank, Colm Kincaid. Uh, thanks for joining us uh, today. Centralbank.ie for further details. And again, for those of you that don't have money uh, today, we're conscious of that. Those of you that are finding it very difficult, and we're talking about vast amounts of money, they're $150 billion. Uh, but again, we, we're, we're sensitive to everybody's um, issues when it comes to finance. So thanks to Colm for joining us uh, today on the programme. Quick commercial break. We're back just after these. <laughs> Yeah, very good morning to you. Tony Wallace joins me on the line because landlords, um, there's, uh, how do you reduce your risk and maximise returns? Uh, but Tony uh, Wallace joins me on the line today. And um, Tony, morning to you. How are you today, first off? I'm good, Keith. Thanks for having us on. I hope you're well yourself. I'm great. I am. I'll tell you one thing, though. There's, um, sometimes there's very little love for landlords, but you're putting together, indeed, to landlords how to reduce your risk and maximise returns. And the topics to include rent arrears, PRTB, dispute hearings, managing a tenancy, overholding and rent reviews as well. It's not easy being a landlord, so it's not Tony at this stage. Yeah, I suppose, you know, every sector has its has its challenges and what we're hoping to do on on our uh, webinar information uh, session on the Connacht Hotel there on the on the 14th of March um, is to, I suppose, uh, relay the information back to landlords, both residential and commercial landlords, in terms of um, contract structure. Um, what is your end goal for your investment? What is your target for your investment? How to structure the agreement around that to help you make or, or achieve that goal? That's where that's what we're trying to achieve here. And again, how do you achieve that? Because I mean, there are. I mean, you have Alan Lockery with you, and you've got Sophie Long, and you've got yourself indeed in the um, 
in the Connacht Hotel on the 14th. But but how how do you get that message across? I mean, because from the landlords that I know, and I don't know too many of them, thank God, uh, they're not finding it easy with some of the tenants that they have. No, I mean it, it can be it can be difficult. You know, there's there's no question around that. I mean, in my experience in in industry, and, and should I say, I wear two hats, both as an academic with ATU Sligo, but also and uh, as an industry uh, practitioner. And uh, it's for argument's sake um, uh, a contract. Why would you give a contract? Uh, what should that contract look like? And that should align with your end goal. So, for example, if you have a commercial building and your end goal is to occupy that building in, say, five years' time, well, maybe you might have a break clause. And that break clause um, that will allow an early exit from the the lease, um, what are the ramifications around that? Well, it does have an impact on the value of the asset also. So more frequent uh, mm-hmm. break clauses are, are, uh, will essentially... Uh, potentially reduce the value of an asset. Equally, if we cross that over to the residential tenancy, um, and the Residential Tenancies Act, as we know, governs uh, residential uh, uh, tenancies. So, you know, uh, would you put a 24 uh, fixed-term contract in place? Would you put a periodic month-to-month contract in place? What's your end goal for your investment? Do you intend on occupying it yourself at some stage and wish to rent it out short-term, or do you not? Uh, do you not uh, intend to occupy it at any stage and want to rent it out quite long-term? And in that case, why not get into a long-term leasing where you may offer a tenancy for, for 10 years? And, and again, they're the type of questions that you, you'll answer for them from there. And do, and do some people go into such um, uh, renting of property indeed with their, with their eyes open or their eyes closed, can I ask you? I mean, that's, uh, I suppose, in, in my experience, uh, uh, there is some landlords, unfortunately, uh, that maybe wouldn't be as well researched into the market uh, in terms of capital appreciation um, and their uh, intended end user. Um, so there is an element, unfortunately, of of eyes being closed, uh, if I can use that at phrase. So for argument's sake, just like any other business, if if your customer is that of a student, if your customer is that of um, uh, professionals, is that of a retailer, of that of an office occupier, um, if you wanted to go down the social affordable route, uh, what is your in? What is the sector that you're wanting to invest in? And so, how do you present your accommodation and your your contract, your legal documentation, uh, to serve that sector well? It's good. It's a good question, and I don't have an answer, but you have the answers for them. Where can they get? Uh, is there a cost involved, by the way, in the Connacht Hotel event on the fourteenth uh, of March? Absolutely not. If they um, contact uh, BV uh, Real Estate, what we'll do is we'll send you on a link and you can register for free. It's free on the night. As I say, it's myself. I'm I'm wearing two hats as a, an academic with ATU Sligo, but also coming into my 18th uh, year as a practitioner and then colleagues Alan Lockery and Sophie Long will also be present on the night. So it's, it's free of charge. We're delivering this information free for both residential and uh, landlords, um, uh, sorry, residential and commercial landlords. And uh, with our, our aim here is just to inform those investors that are in okay. the market at the moment and those thinking of investing as well. 
So if they go to BV Real Estate, uh, the website there, they'll get further details from it then from there. And what time is it kicking yep. off on the 14th of March, um, Tony? We're, kick- we're kicking off for six, 6.30. We're hoping to uh, conclude um, just after uh, an hour. But uh, contact BV and we'll send you out the link and, uh, and we can take it from there. All right. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Tony Wallace uh, joining us on the line. Got a, a special request indeed. Uh, uh, somebody co- popped in today. Happy birthday to Sarah Jane Concanon Antonio uh, from her husband Andrew, daughters Rosalie and Saoirse, parents Martin and Mary, sister Susan and brother Martin and the two dogs Tucker and Freddie. Have a lovely day. So congratulations and have a, a very special birthday, Sarah Jane, today. Uh, we don't know what age you are. Nobody told us. You don't ask a lady her age. Uh, but there you go. And uh, two dogs, Tucker and Freddie. That word, that that uh, Freddie is in in all over the place. I have to say, uh, last for the last week, uh, Freddie came up when um, uh, recently indeed, where Joan's niece Elaine Conboy, Elaine Trusky, uh, she had a, a baby last week, and she called him Freddie, and I think it's a lovely name. So Freddie has been all over the place, and I met somebody else, and they were called Freddie. So I like the word Freddie, but Freddie's all over the place. Uh, so congratulations to Elaine and Matty, by the way, on the uh, birth of their, I think their final child, their fourth child. Uh, but you'd never know. And to the proud grandparents as well, Jerry and and Jacqueline as well. Um, there you go. Freddie, morning to all Freddies. Uh, but to Tucker and Freddie the dogs, uh, be careful now and mind Sarah Jane and Antonio today and give her a good birthday. Uh, Keith, does anybody know um, what the hell is going on in Galway yesterday evening? Briarhead Business Park was a car park. Absolute car park. Uh, Parkbar Road the same all the way down to the Tume Road and up to the Briar Hill Junction and the other direction it took me one hour 15 minutes to get there and out to Orn Moor is this what we can expect for the next year with the roadworks is this what it will be like uh, when uh, the lanes of traffic is removed to install a bus lane yesterday evening was probably my worst experience ever of Galway traffic and all we get to know is nothing new the level of despair and frustration and this is putting on people it's only getting worse and worse and absolutely nothing has been done about it no bypass, no park and ride a totally inferior bus service and a blank cheque when it comes to the never ending stream of roadworks in and around the city yours peed off this caller said except it's an awful lot stronger than that Uh, Keith if somebody is born today the 29th of February what is their date of birth as leap years are every four years I'm just wondering what if they're born today their date of birth would be the 29th of February, 2024, at whatever time they were born. That's it. Isn't it? Now then, let's head towards the 10 o'clock news. We have a full programme, including the Connacht Tribune's next day, Connacht Tribune headlines next day. Tune for that award to come.